Hello, my name is Isaiah Fritz, the CEO and founder of Online Selling Partner. I'm your host today at the Online Selling Partner podcast, where we have one goal to help you sell more products online and to increase your profits and make your life easier. So welcome to another episode of the Online Selling Partner podcast. Hello, everyone. Today is a beautiful Thursday morning in southern Indiana, and I'm here at Online Selling Partner headquarters, and I'm with uh, one of my right-hand guys, Ethan Davis. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, Ethan has has really just been with us for a long time now, one of the first employees here at Online Selling Partner. And uh, Ethan, you want to give a little intro on who you are and what you do? Yeah, I appreciate that. So, yeah, three years, really enjoying what I'm doing. And the 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 basis of my job is to constantly hit the wall of Amazon. And anyone that has to deal with the account health side of Amazon at all, keeping the account healthy and getting listings live and figuring out why Amazon decided to bring your listing down, you know the wall that I'm talking about, and you've probably faced it every single day. So that's what uh, I do, as well as uh, my team. And there's lots of pains and hardships, as I'm sure we can all attest to, but there's also great victories when you finally find the key to get in that door. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great way to put it. So it's... uh, it's hard. A lot of people uh, aren't cut out for it. If I'm if I'm being honest, we found that the best way to fight Amazon is to be really resilient, and uh, that's not that's not how every job works. Yeah, so you really have to be cut from a cloth that is ready to constantly fight and fight and fight, and uh, get told no a lot, and yeah. uh, be okay hearing that, and still try to get around it a different way, which is what we're doing. Well. I thank you for doing that because it is not an easy job. And we all know that fighting Amazon is extremely difficult. So, well, let's talk about uh, some ways that we, some tips, tricks on ways we update content on Amazon. And I think that could be valuable to, to people listening. Um, And a lot of people that are listening probably deal in Vendor Central or Seller Central, obviously. It's going to be one of the others. But there's a lot of of people out there with with Vendor Central. Um, And it's just a little different uh, experience. And so so I'd like to hear from you, Ethan, on what is your experience updating content with Vendor Central to start? And and does it just go through every time you reach out to your... (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. that, that was a good one. I see that you were trying to make a joke, and I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone that's worked in Vendor Central or Seller Central knows that yeah. rarely does it ever just go through. And I'll, I'll probably I'll start with Seller Central, and that's that's the basic way that that most sellers use, I would say. And you know, content the the basic way through the back end of Seller Central. Anyone and everyone can do that. And the the upgraded version would be using uh, upload files. Those seemingly work much better. It's like you're tapping in right to the back end of Amazon. And it, it always is going to work better if you have the brand registry, which is uh, 
one of the things that we always look to have that gives you the the ownership that you're looking for to to make those contributions on all of the attributes but when it comes to vendor central that's like a different story entirely we were talking uh third party versus first party and when it comes to contributions that's the way that amazon sees the back end so if you're if you're thinking about a listing and most of you might know this but for those of you who don't, it's some pretty cool information. When yeah. you're looking at a listing and let's say you have a title and you have bullet points, bullet one, bullet two, bullet three, uh, they're known as attributes. So a title is its own attribute, the size is its own attribute, bullet one is an attribute, an image is an attribute, and each attribute has its own contribution. So I picture it as when Amazon looks at this from the back end, when seller support goes and looks at this, every single one of those attributes has a contribution tied to it. What is, a, what is a contribution? A, is a contribution is where um, a, a seller has contributed towards that attribute, meaning if mm. we say that the title should be this and, and Amazon accepts that, then on the back end, it's going to say that, I don't know if it's Marketplace ID or if it's our selling name, but it'll show that we have the contribution for that attribute. Oh, and, so what if there's multiple people contribution to the same attribute? And and that's where it becomes difficult because they have contribution levels and they actually use numbers on the back end for this. So okay. your your basic sellers come in around uh, 30. Yeah. If you have the buy box, you come in maybe like around a 31. Okay, nice. So you have slight more power than everyone else that might just be a regular third-party seller. Uh, you step up when you hit brand registry, uh, and I believe it's a 50, a 52 is the is the number they assign that. So that that's why brand registry becomes so important because if you have this brand registry contribution mm -hmm. and you're coming to update a listing that's got just basic third-party sellers or the buy box owner that has contributions on it well your 52 is going to trump their 30 31 okay. so that's that's what get, is giving you that that power so it's really cool to find out that you know everything with amazon seems to be a system they they try to automate everything that they can so when you're making those changes and it says hey 24 to, to 48 hours for this to go through Something in their system is looking at these numbers. It's looking at the contributions. It's seeing if it can just, you know, push through what you're asking it to do. And normally, when it doesn't, that's when you have to intervene a little bit further, try try something different, get on the phone with seller support so they can try to push something through for you. But uh, I, when I found out about these contribution numbers, I thought it was really cool. The step above brand registry would be retail contribution as they call it which is known as the vendor side and that's a 65 and that trumps everything else that is the highest in mm -hmm. fact the catalog team the catalog team I, I forgot to mention is actually lower than brand registry so if you have brand registry contributions on any of your listings the catalog team actually can't update that for you. The catalog team on Seller Central. Correct. The catalog team on Seller Central okay. has lower permissions than you do as the brand owner. That's wow. why you'll you'll probably hear a lot, we actually can't do anything with this. We have to escalate this to the brand registry team. And that's because the brand registry team specifically is the team that has those contributions that are equal with yours as brand owner. So that's something that you can 
know going into it that if you have your own brand contributions on it, that catalog team's not going to be much help to you besides escalating it to the brand registry team. They're the team that's going to have to handle it. If it goes above that to the retail side, that's when you got to really start involving the, the vendor side of it, vendor central, for those retail contributions at, at 65, which from my understanding is, is the highest that it goes is up to the to the retail contribution. And, and those are really difficult to change, which which to me makes sense when you have a company like, think of a company like Nike. If a Nike comes in and they're like, this is how the listing should be, this is – Amazon doesn't want those things to change very often because yeah. anyone and everyone's going to want to change it to whatever they want to do. So how <laughs> but, did you learn about these like contribution numbers and stuff? I got the inside scoop when I called Amazon for about the 237th time. <laughs> and that I, sounds like a made up number, but it probably isn't that far off for how many times I call Amazon and my team calls Amazon. Yeah, but yeah. essentially, every time you call Amazon, it's you're getting a different person. Yeah. Sometimes they're helpful, other times not so much. But rarely you'll find someone that just really seems to understand what they're doing. And when you find that person, you just start drilling them with other questions. Like yeah. I, I just I called about something basic, and they seemed to know what was going on. And I just start digging deeper on other things that I'm having issues with, and just just asking little questions, but really making a connection with that person, not just from a seller point from just like, Hey, I get that what you do is hard. And I find this stuff super fascinating, just making that connection and opening them up and they'll start giving information and just, you know, being a buddy to them, which is kind of how I got some of this information. Come to find out later that when I use that same information, <clears throat> other seller, other seller reps are like, how do you know this? Who told you this? I'm like, uh, the OSP podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, you're not supposed to know all the things that you know. You know what data augmenters are? You know what contribution level they are? Which, oh, what is, yeah, tell me about data. Oh, oh you want to? Oh, you want to? You want to know all the secrets? Oh, I understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the data augmenters actually are not really talked about, and if you talk about them to seller support. Uh, on a recorded line, it's like you're talking to the FBI, honestly. They like they stop what they're doing. They yeah. know they're being recorded. <clears throat> and they're just like, I can't talk about that. <laughs> like they said that to me. Yeah. So I, I asked about data augmentation because there is another group when it comes to those contribution levels and those numbers, and it's called a data augmenter. And their contribution level is actually in the 20s. It's actually the lowest. But it, it trumps everything else. So what can happen sometimes, and they're not sure how, but the special group, the special team of data yeah. augmenters can go in and they can change something and, and put their, their contribution level on it. And sometimes your, your attribute might be stuck with a data augmentation contribution. And on the back end, they can see that. And, and the catalog team can actually fix that. They can they can yeah. go in there and, and see why that was done and, and have that removed. But sometimes that's actually the problem with some of these attributes getting caught up. But again, if you talk about data augmentation, they'll be a little bit confused as to why you know that. When you start using their own terminology that they, that they would use internally, they become a, a little bit worried. <laughs> Yeah. So use that information wisely, but just keep it in the back of your mind that if there's just some attributes that you've really been trying to hit 
and work on it and it's just not getting updated, there's a possibility that Amazon could come in. And again, I think it's those listings that are highly trafficked by lots of different sellers and the data augmenters have to come in and just try to keep it the same because there's always battles going back and forth of sellers trying to update information and change things. Yeah. I think sometimes that, that's like their police force that has to come in and like, okay, let's, no one can touch us anymore. We're going to put an augmentation on this. That's super fascinating. Well, I, I know here at online selling partner, uh, when we partner with a brand that was previously vendor central and now they're going through a three P model where they can control price points and they can have, uh, you know, someone actually on the phone, a third-party seller that is trying to have their best interest in mind and all that, all the values OSP brings. Um, you know, we're we're going through Seller Central, and uh, so originally the listings were created through Vendor Central, and Vendor Central having that higher contribution level of sixty-five or whatever. Sometimes, if we're trying to update on the Seller Central, it can be difficult. So. We will actually go through Vendor Central to update some of the attributes. Um, I have heard that there are a, a couple ways to to update attributes um, more successfully through Vendor Central. And but even people that are on Vendor Central all day long, every day, still get annoyed because their attributes that they try to update that should be a 65, it should be Trump everybody, still doesn't work. Like I was talking to a guy that sells. Um, some watches on Amazon and selling millions of dollars on Vendor Central and Amazon will not let him update his content on most of his ASINs or it, it, it's crazy and so Ethan talk a little bit about Vendor Central the struggles of updating content on Vendor Central uh, what we've seen work what we've seen not work maybe talk a little bit about how the uh, it works a little differently on Vendor Central with the automated title creation and 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 also, but let's just start with the uh, the struggles on Vendor Central side. Especially a lot of these brands might not have access to brand registry, Seller Central side of things. They only have access to Vendor Central, and they're trying to update content. So let's give some tips and tricks on it. There, I know there's no uh, <laughs> one size fits all. But because it's always a struggle and one thing might work and then one day and then another thing might work the other day because it's just a constant, persistent battle. But anyway, let's talk a little about Vendor Central. Yeah. Vendor Central is is interesting because it's it's similar <clears throat> to Seller Central, but it's it's not the same at all. It's – I'm, I'm trying to figure out the best way to explain it. But it's like a distant cousin in my mind. It's like you look a little bit close. You're totally related, but you do things completely different. And what I mean by that is if you're used to Vendor Central and Seller Central and seeing both of them, the way that you add images is different. The way that you edit a listing is different. The, the back-end template files, those are different. So it, it's, it's not the same experience. But the same thing will apply just like in Seller Central on being resilient and trying to find different ways. Like Isaiah said, there's so many ways to approach the same problem. You can you can do a regular change through the catalog. You can do an, an upload file. These are basic things that, that most sellers can, can get in there. 
and and they know how to to deal with it. The steps beyond that are figuring out other ways and it becomes more complicated with vendor because they use something called vendor codes and vendor codes are very important that's not something that seller central uses and those vendor codes can actually end up being a key for you to use to turn things and an example of that would be uh stop there (laughs) the key to turn things on amazon (laughs) The correct vendor code. The correct <laughs> vendor code. It's really, it's really important. It's like the, it's the seller central equivalent of when they're on the back end looking at those contributions. I think vendor central does the same thing, but they uh, attribute it to vendor codes. Okay. So, and from what I've seen so far, you get different vendor codes depending on what categories you're putting into on your own vendor account. But again, it's all tied to these contributions. So we've we've had a partner that's been struggling to get bullet points updated, images updated, and you know nothing's going through. And the way that I found that was successful, and again, it's not a one size fits all. So it's I'm not saying this is going to guarantee solve your problems, but if you haven't tried it, absolutely try it. And you you're going through the back end, like you're going to create a support ticket through Vendor Central and you you actually use the automated system partially that, that Vendor Central gives you. And Seller Central has the same thing. They have these automated tools to try to help you do things. And normally you find that most of the time they don't work and you're like, this is a waste of my time. But uh, Vendor Central has something um, like that as well. They're They're very like pick your category that you need help with dive deeper on that seller central is more of type what your problem is. We'll figure it out. So deep diving into the, to the bullet point issue, you know, on the back end, you can, you can go to support and you go under manage my catalog and there's a a specific one that says item detail edit and item detail edit item detail edit. So again, we're looking to change that detail page. When you're talking about bullet points, when you're talking about title, things like that, those are all on the item detail page is what they call it. So in this case, the item detail edit under the manage my catalog section is where we would go. And it asks you to select an attribute. There's that word again that we talked about. Select an attribute that you wouldn't want to update. It gives you things like title, description, browse node, bullet points, color, size. What's a browse node? Oh, browse node. That's a whole nother conversation, Isaiah. Okay. 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 Let's keep going. (laughs) We'll keep focused on this one. So in this case, bullet points, we want to get to bullet points and you'll click the fix detail page. When you do that, it requests an ASIN and the vendor code. This is what we talked about before. Now, what I found so interesting about this and I, why I believe it's a hack really Mm -hmm. is when you put your ASIN in and then you put your vendor code in and you'll 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 hit next to progress to the next page if the vendor code that you put in is wrong it will tell you that the vendor code that you've selected for this asin does not have any contribution to this asin or to these attributes and and although that seems like a bad thing cuz you're being rejected to me, that was a really cool thing. If you call Amazon right now and say, who has 
who has the contribution to this to this attribute they will not tell you it's totally against their terms like they cannot reveal who has those contributions but if you know about your different vendor codes um, you can actually test and see what vendor code specifically has that contribution which i thought was super cool so i again you have to know the vendor codes though but still I, I, th- I thought that was really awesome. Now, if you do put the correct vendor code in there, then you progress on and it, it says, okay, what do you want the bullet points to be? You put everything in that you want, and essentially all it does is it creates a ticket to vendor support. But we found that doing it this way has, has given us some pretty great success. And just like any other Amazon ticket, you, you're going to have some people that <laughs> they do it and other people that they don't. So the people that don't do it the first time, I do it two or three more times and it normally eventually works but it creates a ticket for them and they'll actually update the attributes for you okay and how do you get vendor codes if you don't know like because you know some companies might have uh, a vendor code for each individual brand and they might have 10 brands or uh, maybe there was a third-party distributor that was you know we've seen that before that that originally created the items and had a vendor code. So like, like how do you identify and get lists of these vendor codes? So you get the, the upload file like you would through, through seller central against a little bit different in vendor. Yes. But you, you get this upload file and in this upload file, it has all of your vendor codes. Mm -hmm. So if you get this export as a spreadsheet, you can go Uh, in there when you go to do the bulk, you do the export first to get the template. Yes, and then in that template, it has all of them. And like I said, there's probably a better and maybe a different way to do that. That's mm-hmm. that's one way that, that we've done it when we don't know and we actually can't get access to the vendor account. And that's probably the, that's probably the key here is that if you have access to your own account, there's there's probably better ways to find that information. But if you don't, if you can get an export from that account, you can mm-hmm. see all the vendor codes on that Excel spreadsheet, which which will help out. And at that point, it's trial and error, trying to figure out yeah. which vendor codes have the contribution to the ASIN, which you can have multiple vendor codes, and depending on which ASIN, a different vendor code is going to apply to that ASIN. So that, like anything with Amazon, I feel like there's some there's some heavy trial and error. Yeah. I don't know how to get around the trial and error when it comes to Amazon. I don't think there's any secret to get past that. Well, we always say that our value is just knowing what button to push. And uh, and sometimes we we know that <laughs> sometimes we have to just go persistently figure it out or, um, you know, do a lot of research. But there's not a lot of like, if you just Google this, you're not going to get this sort of details of information. So I think, Ethan, you've provided some amazing value today on uh people on brand registry, on the Seller Central side, how they can update content. Um, Also, do you see, I'm I'm already on another thought, do you see a difference between calling a ticket on a a Seller Central or Vendor Central versus emailing? Do Do you get more success with just a normal like text email type ticket or calling is there yeah i've actually i've talked to a couple 
different sellers on this topic, and it's really fascinating to me how different everyone feels about this. Okay. And I don't, again, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all, but from what I've personally found is I, I don't like to call Amazon, but there are times where I feel it's necessary, even knowing that they, the person on the phone can't help me. But when you talk to them on the phone, you can at least explain what's going on, and you have a dialogue just back and forth. So if they have a question, you can answer it. Mm. And, and then, then it's about them escalating it to the right place. But you, you, you have a more of a chance because you're able to talk to them and tell them exactly what's going on and explain, explain the nuances of your exact issue. And I found that when I do it just through email, so many times Amazon's just looking for that one word to be off so they can slap you with an automated response that makes absolutely no sense to what you're talking about. And then yeah. you're just going back and forth with five different emails to even get them on the same page as you. I'm not saying that calling them gets them on the same page right away because I still have had issues, but I feel like I have more of a chance if I can just talk to them and then they escalate it. So okay. we really use both. It's a mixture, but I would have to pick phone calls for the more difficult ones to explain it to them so they don't just hit me with an auto response. Okay. Hey, no problem there. Yeah. So, Ethan, any more words of wisdom? I know we could go on for 10 hours on this subject, but, uh, uh, I mean, any more words of wisdom? <laughs> no more words of wisdom. Uh, I guess mm -hmm. the, the only piece of advice that I've, that I really have when it comes to Amazon as a whole, that any seller just needs to understand would be it's okay to fail. In fact, you're going to fail a lot, especially when it comes to fighting Amazon. And it really will feel like you're hitting your head against this wall. And that's okay. And maybe that's part of their intention. But what makes you a better seller than others is your willingness to keep hitting that wall until you break a brick loose and you start putting your hand through there to rip the rest of the wall down. And that's that's what sets you apart from other sellers in the space that talk to Amazon is they give up after the first couple hits in the head. You keep pushing forward. It's resilience. So that's that's my advice. Anyone I talk to, it's so important to me. And I just after doing it every day for three years like that, I know that it just takes that. I love that, Ethan. I think uh, I remember when we you know, we're we're starting together and I was showing you how this whole thing works. <laughs> I remember it was like you were kind of like what <laughs> you have to be persistent and, and and explain yourself the same way fourteen times on the same issue, and then the fourteenth time it magically goes through. Oh yeah, you know I'll I'll be honest. If I can do it, guys, I know for a fact every single one of you can do it because yeah. I was the one who wanted to quit the most when Isaiah was first showing me <laughs> how he did it, and it didn't make sense to me. And I was done. After one attempt, I said, no, nah, I can't be doing this. So if at this point, if I'm the one sitting here telling you that it can be done and it takes resilience, I know that you have it in you because I was able to make it happen. And if that's possible, you guys have big things ahead of you. 
Oh, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you, Ethan. It's been wonderful. Uh, great podcast. I think there was a, a lot of big value bombs that were dropped. Um, and, you know, to everyone out there, take a look at our, our other po- podcast episodes and make sure you uh, check out check out our website. And uh, looking forward to seeing you next time. All right. Thanks. Well, that's another episode of the Online Selling Partner Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to find out more about us, please go to our website, onlinesellingpartner.com. We partner with brands and manufacturers that are non-Amazon focused to become their Amazon team. We do not charge any agency fees. We're not an agency. We're not a normal reseller where we just flip products. What we do is we buy product like a wholesaler. We sell it on Amazon and the other platforms, but we do everything. We do the advertising, storefront, A-plus content, and distribution control, all of it for all the price of free because we make our money off of margin, and we're looking for great partners to work with that want to grow their companies. So if you know anybody, please have them reach out to us at onlinesellingpartner.com. But until next time, look out for more value because we're also here to just help the community and bring value to brands. So signing out, this is Isaiah Fritz.